pull up a bar stool. Yeah, we're going to do things a little bit differently on the podcast today. If you're following along at the end, you know, you knew, you saw this coming. Uh, we're going to we're gonna stop doing the typical John and Johns, refocus our energies a little bit, do things uh, new in different ways in 2019. Well, one of the things I've decided to do, I've got a webinar that I just conducted today. It's a free webinar, The Fundamentals of Facebook Advertising, and it went 90 minutes Let's say about 65, 70 minutes of content and then questions at the end. And I thought I'd share that with you, with the podcast, um, and see what you think about it. Definitely going a different route since we're going away from 30 minutes and going 90 minutes. We've got no editing, no sound effects other than the natural, all natural. So I've got myself a can of Guinness here. And uh, so, not really a bottle, but pop a bottle. Let's do it. Yeah, that was the real stuff. Sing to yourselves, and we'll begin. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Facebook Advertising Fundamentals free webinar. This is the February 25th edition. Um, so this is the third or fourth time we've run this now. So first of all, just to be aware, if you've ever attended Facebook Advertising Fundamentals free web webinar in the past, uh, very little changes from month to month. So um so if you've attended one of these, I think it's dating back to December, maybe November, um, expect much of the same. But otherwise, you're in for a treat because lots, lots, and lots to be covered today. Okay, so before we get rolling, um, I understand that in some cases this may be your first exposure to me or you, you don't know a lot about me or my business. So a quick introduction may be in order. Uh, so who am I? Well, that's me. Uh, that's me and my family. Actually, that's a... Even a couple years old now that the picture on the left. Uh, father of three boys, and uh, they keep me really busy. Um, lots of baseball coaching too. So basically, I have over the span of the last seven and a half years, luckily been able to uh, kind of craft my business around spending more time with my family and coaching baseball, which ultimately becomes a priority. So always very important to me. So if you wonder what I do, how I do it why I do what I do. There you go. Um, I don't know why I always lead, lead with this first, but I was laid off twice. It's a big part of who I am. And because uh, honestly, without being laid off, and especially the second time, I never would have ultimately started my own business. I was sick of moving the family. Um, and I uh, didn't know how to start a business, didn't know the first step at all. But I didn't have a, I didn't have a job, didn't have a boss. And I just started writing um, didn't even know I was starting a business. And next thing you know, a year later, that's really what it became. So being laid off was really important to my story. Um, I've been working um, using Facebook for business purposes since 2007. I worked for the National Basketball Association back then. And um, we partnered with Facebook when it first rolled out to the old folks, so beyond high school and college. back. So there were 50 million people at the time, and I was one of those uh, first old folks to, to join in and sign on to Facebook. And I immediately uh, fall, fell in love with the, the platform personally. 
But as I said, we were using it professionally as well, working for the NBA. We uh, built, had Facebook build an app for us before you could build your own app. And I was the first admin of the NBA face, official Facebook group before there were pages. So that just gives you a sense. I and mean, we're talking 12 years ago now. Um, I started JohnLumer.com 2011. Again, I didn't really have a clear vision of what this would become back then. But here we are. Uh, I started focusing on, first of all, Facebook marketing. I would say primarily that uh, in the spring of 2012. And maybe a year later, really, it was advanced Facebook ads, so 2013 or so. So we've been there for a long time. Uh, you can tweet me, at John Loomer if you want, or, of course, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash John Loomer Digital. So how's this going to work? It'll be about 90 minutes, give or take. Uh, we'll start with the presentation, which will be probably a little bit over an hour. Uh, we will have time for Q&A at the end. So really, how long this goes depends a lot on how many questions we have. So make sure you ask those questions, though, as you've got them, and I'll get to as many as I can at the end. When we, we tend to have a lot. Uh, please only ask the same question once, and um, I'll do everything I can to answer it. There will, of course, be a replay. I don't understand what these webinars are that don't offer a, a replay, but um, uh, you actually should all already have access to prior replays on this. But um, I'll email you when it's ready. I say within 24 hours, but really it should be within two or three hours. I'll email you a link to it. And that'll include um, not only the embedded video, but embedded slides, downloadable audio, um, relevant links to what was discussed. So it'll be good stuff. So I expect that later today. So why am I hosting this? First of all, I understand that many advertisers struggle to find success. Um, it's one thing I've, I, I get a lot of. I get a lot of messages from people, um, whether they're in a situation they're starting a business, they're running in their own business, or they're running ads for, for their, their company or for a, a client, and they're just not having the success that they want or that they need. Uh, the truth is that the tools are there for you to find success. But I understand that it's overwhelming, the, the limitless options that are available to you, though, too. So where do you start? Um, that This is really the, the purpose of this webinar is to give you some highlights of some a few starting points for you that, that you could um, attack. So who is this for? I would, if, if I were to define it, I would say the beginner to intermediate level advertisers. So if you haven't, when I say beginner, that means you have some experience, though. Um, if you haven't run ads before, this is a lot of this probably gonna be over your head. Um, but I'd say if you're really advanced and you feel like you know everything about Facebook ads, this is gonna be some elementary stuff mostly for you. Uh, so I would say the ideal audience would be those that have experimented with Facebook ad ads and they just want a better grasp and, and find more success with them. Uh, that said, if you are advanced, know that what I typically do outside of these free webinars is for that advanced group. So make sure you check out my regular website content. It's catered to you. Check out my training programs. Those are catered to you, catered to you as well. Um, I've also got private, private Power Hitters Club um, communities that are especially Power Hitters Club Elite is for that most advanced group. Uh, so go check out johnlumber.com for more on all of that. So what's the goal today? I want to provide an overview of Facebook advertising fundamentals. No surprise. It's the title, right? So the focus is going to be on that campaign creation process. Um, my hope is that I'll be able to introduce you to something new. Uh, 
and uh, inspire you to explore further into something that maybe you haven't done before. So I want you to experiment. That's number one. I, I get a lot of questions from people asking, like, should I do X? Or would I get better results if I do A or B? And I, I find those in, insane. Like, you, you're the one person who can answer that question. Try it and see how it goes. You don't have to spend a ton of money. But part of it is just knowing what tools you have available to you. So that's what we're going to do today. But what can we cover in 90 minutes? I mean, we'll do what we can. Um, I'm going to hit on many different topics here today. Most, though, are going to be surface level because we have limited time. But the content today still will be incredibly dense, so be aware of that. On the general format, though, we're going to define a fundamental first. Um, We'll talk about why that fundamental matters. We'll give you some variables and examples of that fundamental. As well as, you know, I often get asked what I do. Um, That doesn't make it right, but it at least gives you some perspective on on some things to consider. Y'all ready for this? All right. Well, let's roll. First fundamental, campaign objectives. So when you set up a campaign, and again, we're, we're focusing just on the entire campaign creation process, nothing outside of that right now. Um, but when you, when you start creating a campaign, it's going to look a little something like this, where Facebook's going to ask you, okay, well, what is your goal? What's your marketing ad- objective of this campaign? And they have made this process better. Um, it was much more confusing in the past. So what are our objectives? First of all, this is set at the campaign level. Um, If you're not familiar, I hope you are, but you've got campaigns, ad sets, and ads. This is where you tell Facebook what you're hoping to accomplish. Uh, So this really helps streamline the entire process for you because then Facebook will um, determine then what optimization options you have at the ad set level so that they can show it to people who are most likely to perform the action that you're asking for when you set your objective. So why do objectives matter? It helps you organize and focus your uh, purpose. So um, when I say that, I know a lot of people go into it and say, you know, I want people to watch this video, but I also want them to read this blog post and buy from me. Well, you stop it. You need to have one primary goal for each campaign, and that makes it a lot easier. So I'm glad Facebook does it this way. It also helps Facebook optimize to reach the ideal audience. So if you want to get more people watching your video, Facebook can show it to people more likely to do that. If you want to get more traffic to your website, Facebook can show it to more people who are likely to click. If you want to get more email addresses or you want to get more sales, Facebook can focus there appropriately because they have a whole lot of data. But this also helps Facebook surface the metrics that matter most because there are dozens and dozens and dozens of metrics Facebook can show you. But when you choose an objective, Facebook's going to focus on things related to that. Uh, the problem is, though, if you get this wrong, you choose the wrong, wrong objective, um, it's going to f- send Facebook down the wrong path. And um, you can start getting results that you don't necessarily want. So I like to break objectives up by group. Um, so first of all, the impressions group. Basically what that means is Facebook's just looking to show your ads to people. That's it. We're not looking for a specific action of any, of any kind. We're looking for awareness, basically, reach. Um, then you've got light actions where you're just trying to get some sort of basic engagement out of your campaign. Then you've got execution where you're getting a critical action, so like a purchase, for example. 
So let's let's kind of take a closer look at these three groups. So first of all, in the impressions group, you've got uh, so yeah, your goal is to show as to people and build your brand. Ultimately, is probably what you're trying to do. So examples of those objectives include brand awareness and reach. It's really just those two. Uh, then you got light actions. So with this group, it's to get people into your funnel with with things that are you know just clicking and viewing and things like that. Um, so ultimately, a light action would include objectives like traffic, engagement, so getting people to click on and comment and like and share and things like that. Video views, so get someone to watch your video. And then messages, you know, messages could probably fall on either light actions or execution, but message meaning someone uh, getting people to direct message you, private message your page. And then we've got the the execution group of objectives. Um and so your goal here is to get something more substantive, like an email address, an app install, a sale, some kind of conversion. So the example of those objectives would be app installs, lead generation, which, is, which utilizes Facebook's lead ad format, conversions, catalog sales, which are basically dynamic ads, and store visits, which um, uses... Uh, it's the signals that you send to let Facebook know that you're actually in your store. So when it comes to objectives, what do I do? Uh, my objectives are usually in line with my goals. I mean, I, I try to keep this as simple as possible, and I try to outsmart Facebook with it. So that said, I typically, not always, have three campaign types running at one time. So traffic, meaning I'm promoting uh, my latest blog post. Lead generation, I'm promoting something like my webinar or my, my quiz. Uh, and then conversions, where I'm trying to sell something. All right, easy enough. So that's the objectives fundamental. Hopefully that all makes sense. Um, that takes us to number two, targeting. And the order of this is really the order of the steps you go through when creating your campaign. So in choosing your targeting, this should look familiar. Um, this is at the ad set level where you're selecting your audience. You're de determining who's going to see your ad or maybe who's not going to see your ad. So what is targeting? It's essentially, yeah, it's choosing the audience that's going to see your ad. Um, this is determined at the ad set level. And it's often the variable that leads to success for failure. So don't mess this one up. Uh, spend some time on it. Don't assume Facebook is magical. And that uh, that they'll automatically be able to reach the right people. So your options for targeting can be go from very broad. So you have no contact with this person whatsoever. They they may not have heard of you. They're not engaged with your Facebook page. They don't they haven't bought from you obviously. To very precise, like someone who has bought from you before. So why does this matter? Um, I found over and over again that reaching an audience likely to act is critical. So. Look, I mean, I understand that things are, are, are important too. Uh, and maybe this is because I'm more of a person who's not like a heavy sales guy. I don't look to manipulate with copy. I'm, I'm not, I know my strengths aren't in copy and creative, right? My strengths are in the tools, understanding how it works, how things work and experimenting and things like that. Uh, statistics, metrics. So, but that said, uh, ad copy and imagery won't matter typically if you're targeting the wrong group of people. So, um, and also if you do reach the right group and you get a high level of engagement, 
That's going to lead to shares. It's going to lead to virality. It's going to lead to getting results that aren't paid as well and, and aren't going to stick out in your ad reports. Uh, so you're going to reach a lot of people without paying to reach them. And additionally, if you get a high action rate, that can be a good signal to Facebook to say, hey, we should charge less um, to show this ad because this is something that Facebook likes and they will lower your CPM costs, which means the cost per thousand impressions. And that is often the deciding factor of whether or not a campaign is profitable. So that's really important. So once again, let's break this up into groups. Uh, this again, this is my the way that I would break it up. Facebook doesn't do this officially. But we'll say there's a cold audience targeting group. So this is reaching a broad group indiscriminately. Um, not necessarily people who know you or even have any interest in anything that you have to do. Uh, then you've got a lukewarm audience. You reach people that maybe are likely to act. A warm audience, people who have engaged with you in some way in the past. And you've got the hot audience, people who have actually bought from you. So um, probably the most important group, but smallest. So really you're going from not only cold to hot, but uh, largest to smallest. So the cold audience, your main goal here is to reach a new audience based on very, very broad targeting. So when we talk about cold audience, we're like, all you're looking at is limiting this by geography or age or gender or language. Um, this is going to be the largest audience. You're, so you're not limiting it in, in anymore by, by like um, anything like uh, interests or behaviors or or custom audiences or or connections or anything like that like that. So these people are least likely to act just based on these filters alone. But look, at some again, I, it's really important to remind advertisers your goal shouldn't always be to sell something. Like there needs to be a first step sometimes. Like no one's heard of my brand before. Well, how do you get people to know who you are? Is it just to hammer them with ads trying to sell your stuff to them? I don't know, maybe sometimes, but other times it might just be, let's make sure they see our ads. So next time they see an ad from us or see us on the street or whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, I recognize them. So this is all about brand awareness. And also, if you've got a local business where um, it doesn't really matter the things they're interested in and all that kind of stuff, that you just care about if they're within a certain radius of, of your business. Um, that, that's where this could be, come in handy, and especially if you're in a, a smaller city, too. So the, the lukewarm audiences, the goal here is to reach new people, but new people who are likely to act this time. So there's, you are discriminating a, a little bit this time. Um, this is best, though, I would say, for the lightest of actions. So you're looking for engagement. You're looking for views. You're looking for clicks of some kind. Um, so the, what I consider lukewarm targeting would be things like interests and behaviors. So... Facebook has determined that, that people have a certain interest in something related to what you're doing. Uh, this is all based on info provided typically within the user's profile as well as their activity performed on Facebook. And then lookalike audiences. Um, in that case, that's based on a source audience that you own. So it's people who like your page, people who engage with your page, people who visited your website, people who are on your email list, on and on and on and on. Maybe that's a small audience, right? So you give that to Facebook, say, hey, Facebook, do your work. Find people similar to them. They can generate a lookalike audience. So, for example, if you've got an email list of 500 people, 
you know, like Facebook create a lookalike audience of the top 1% in the United States of people similar to these people, they can churn out an audience of over 2 million that you can target that they think is are similar to those uh, who are on your email list. So the source audience would be things like page likes, email lists, customers, web visitors, app users, users engaged with your page content. Um, and, the, and again, that, that could be small, and then Facebook would create a lookalike audience off of it. Okay. So if you're not familiar with this concept, uh, this is what it looks like creating a lookalike audience. Uh, you can you choose your source audience, and this assumes you've already created that source audience, by the way. And you can choose one or multiple countries or regions. And as you can see, um, even though this audience isn't anywhere near 2.1 million people, um, all of my website visitors will last 180 days, Facebook's going to find people, over 2 million people who are similar to them. Uh, what just happened? Why is it doing that? Okay. All right, so that takes us to the warm audience. Your goal here is to reach people who have engaged with you. So it doesn't mean that they've bought necessarily, but they've engaged in some way. So things like a page engagement audience. So they've engaged with your Facebook page. Video views audience. You've uploaded videos to Facebook before, and they've watched your videos. Website visitors. You've got the Facebook pixel on your website, and uh, Facebook's able to generate an audience of those who have visited your website as a result. You can also then segment those website visitors by like the highest engagement rate, number of pages they visited, types of pages they viewed, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. Page engagement audiences I find to be really useful. Um, so as you can see, there are different types that you can create. Anyone who, so basically everyone who's engaged with your page in any way, anyone who visited your page, people engaged to post or add, click the call to action button, sent a private message to your page, or saved your page post, page or any post, which not a lot of people do that. And as you can see, you can use a duration, meaning they perform this action during a X number of days, anywhere from one to 365 days, which can be really useful. That takes us to the hot audiences with where the goal is to reach your current customers. And if you really want to segment, you could say your best, high, high, highest paying customers if you wanted, if you had the volume. Um, but this is gonna be the smallest audience. But this really is ideal for low budgets, uh, but a high conversion rate because assuming you don't have thousands or millions of people uh, in this group, uh, you can reach them knowing that there, there's a high likelihood that they're going to act. So this could be people who bought from you before, people who are on your email list, people who installed your app. But again, you could segment that even further if you wanted to by the level of each thing that they did. So an example of a highly precise website visitor audience would be someone performed a purchase on your website in the last 180 days where the value was $50 or more. And in order for this to work, not only do you need the Facebook pixel on your site, but you need to be using events and parameters. And those are things we're not going to talk about today, but uh, it's, a, it's a more advanced topic. And certainly we can... Uh, my website has a lot on that, though. So what do I do? Um, I find that the warm and hot audiences are the most effective. Um, and really, one of my primary goals is help building those audiences. I just don't assume that they're going to be large and, and useful forever and that people are going to keep coming to my website, whether I advertise to them or not. So I prioritize my ad spend on the warmest audience first. And then when spending more, I then move down the priority list. So um, 
I, for example, I'm spending more this month on driving webinar signups than I normally would. And um, I'm, I'm using lookalike audiences and interests for that. But for everything else, like promoting my blog posts, promoting my products, um, I'm, I'm targeting my warmest audiences there. So yeah, I, I moved down the priority list. And this, this is the way I look at the priority list. It's customers first, then high volume website visitors, other website visitors, there's people who generally visited, but could have been once. Recently engaged on my Facebook page, and then all page engagement. So that could be that all page engagement over the last 365 days. And then lookalike audiences, interests, and behaviors. So that's how I prioritize it. So a few of my favorites. Uh, first of all, website visitors. I mean, this is a, a good all-purpose audience. Um, this would be all website visitors to my site over the last 180 days. So that way, look, it's not always going to be the highest quality visitors in this case, but it gives you some volume. Um, so if they visited the site before, they should know who I am and recognize what I, who I am when they see my ad. But uh, another one I use a lot is, so. I, I, for example, I, I published a new blog post last night. If you didn't see it, check it out. And I turned it into an ad. Um, so when I did that, though, I created a website custom audience um, of the people who already read that blog post. This is a different one we're looking at here, but it's the same concept. So that way, when I run the ad, I will exclude. So it's not just about targeting all the time. I'll exclude those people who already read the blog post because there's no reason to show that ad to them again. And along the same uh, lines here, um, I've got, I create a website custom audience for thank you page of my webinars, uh, my products. Uh, so that way, when I'm promoting that product, I will exclude those people who already hit that thank you page because that suggests that they already signed up. Uh, but you can also use that for cross promotion. So let's target people who already signed up for this to promote this other related thing. Another one I find really useful is like, okay, instead of just targeting everybody who visited my website over the last 180 days, and that include that could include bots, it could, could include people who just who, who visited by accident, who are just there for three seconds, five seconds, whatever, and they're never going to remember it. They're not useful. They're not valuable. Um, let's target those people who spent the most time on the site. So who are in the top 25% or 10% or 5% of those who spent the most time on the site. And kind of similar to that would be, let's, let's uh, target just those people who viewed at least two different pages on my website during the past 180 days. And another thing we could do, once again, if you use events with your Facebook pixel, that registers every time someone makes a purchase, uh, any purchase, I could then create an audience of all anyone who made a purchase on my website over the last 30 days, or as you can see, that's an error, or 180 days, or whatever you want to do. But it could be, instead of purchase, it could be registration, it could be something else. Another favorite of mine is page engagement. So everyone who has engaged my page in any way during the last 365 days, it's a nice big wide window. So um, th you know that that's going to be broader, obviously, but it's going to give you some volume. Um, so if they've engaged, that that could be a good sign. Another one is, and one reason I like to do videos sometimes on Facebook. I'm not a big video guy, but they can be really useful. Is because you can create an audience of those people who watch that video already. So you could do it for a couple, use it in a couple ways. One would be excluding people who already watched that video, so you don't keep showing them the video again. 
or it could be you watch this video, so let's show something related to that. Uh, so it can be really, really useful. Another one is lead engagement. So this would be utilizing Facebook's lead ad forms. And what's really nice about those lead ad forms, so they keep people on Facebook. Some of you may have signed up for this webinar via Facebook lead ad form. Let me know if you did. Uh, but nice thing is you can create an audience based on whether they opened the form, whether they opened and submitted the form, or they opened and didn't submit the form. And then you could target them in different ways based on that. So um, if you opened and submitted this form, I excluded you from that, that ad going forward. Um, and hopefully that was, that was successful. All right. So that'll take us to fundamental number three. I think uh, that one's going to be one of the longer ones there. Um, and uh, let's, let's uh, dig into placements now. So you're probably familiar with this at the ad set level. It's a matter, and and uh, this is only if you're editing the placements. Otherwise, Facebook's going to just show it wherever they want. Um, but otherwise, you can choose where you want the ads to be shown. So what are placements exactly? It's telling Facebook where specifically your ads are placed to be seen. So inventory within the Facebook platform. Um, that also includes inventory within Facebook family of apps, so things like Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, as well as inventory within participating publishers and developers, which is Facebook's um, audience network. So that could be um, if it, you are a, an app developer and you're trying to monetize that app, you don't have any connection to Facebook in any way. It's not owned by Facebook. You want to monetize that app, you can use audience network and then to show ads within that app. And then so when an advertiser advertises <laughs> and chooses placements, it can end up showing ads within an unrelated app. Um, as long as you reach the audience that you want to reach. Um, personally, I don't find those to be extremely effective, but there you go. So why do placements matter? Pretty simply, some placements are more effective than others. Um, additionally, some placements have different restrictions in terms of um, like audio, like a video length, um, what, like the amount of copy, um, the image size, things like that. And some placements simply provide low-cost distribution as well. Once again, let's break this up by group. So we've got Facebook placements. Um, that will include things like the news feed, whether it's mobile or des desktop. Right-hand column, which is what RHC is, if you're wondering. Instant articles. So instant articles, if you're not familiar with those, that's when you click on to read an article and it loads immediately because it's actually preloaded in Facebook as opposed to sending you off-site. Uh, videos, marketplace, which is where um, people buy and sell stuff locally, um, and Facebook stories. And you've got Instagram, and within Instagram, you've got the Instagram feed as well as Instagram stories. Audience network, Facebook Messenger, and there you've got within the inbox itself stories as well as sponsored messages. So sponsored messages are different than the inbox. Inbox, it's like um, if you open up your messenger, you can see what was it was clearly an ad. Right? It's like it's got the thumbnail description that kind of stuff. The sponsored messages you can only reach certain certain people who have messaged you before, and that in, in, um, is sent in as an actual message. 
like you got a message from your friend and then there's another message that comes from a brand and then you get yeah desktop and mobile as well um, so if you're curious regarding what the very how, how the costs differ um, from placement to placement a couple ways you can do that I mean, you can run split tests where placement is your variable you can also uh, create separate ad sets by placement but you don't need to do any of that if you got one ad set that's running to multiple placements go into breakdown and select placement and you'll see stuff like this how, how your budget's distributed so in this case it was only going to Facebook newsfeed but um, Cost per result on desktop was $2.43. Cost per result on mobile was $1.84. So it's good that Facebook spent more showing, getting more leads for mobile in this case. Um, you do got the option of automatic placements or editing your placements. Facebook recommends automatic placements. I would say if you don't know what you're doing, um, use automatic. If you see something that you don't like, when using automatic placements, like Facebook is consistently spending all your budget in a placement that's not working very well, um, that's when you might want to edit it. So, yeah, Facebook recommends that they're using automatic placements. Um, in that case, they'll determine which placements are used and how, how your money is distributed. And Facebook tends to or tries to optimize there for, your, for the best results. But make sure you monitor closely. Uh, because if you do get poor results or not what you're expecting, and if you want to, you, you might want to edit your placements manually in that case. So what do I do? Um, I find the most effective placements are newsfeed. Now that said, it's also the most expensive placements typically. And when I say expensive, it means most expensive just to reach people there, especially uh, desktop now because people just don't use desktop as much as they used to. I've found that Audience Network provides low quality and cheap clicks, so you can, you can get a lot of really misleading results there. That's where you have to be careful because Facebook oftentimes can't differentiate between low quality and high quality engagement. So if they see you getting a whole bunch of clicks, they might sh start spending more of your money on Audience Network even though it's not leading to anything effective. Um, I also find, I found this for years, I've long been a believer in right-hand column. I think that's underrated because it's cheaper to reach people there um, and uh, as a result you can have a lower conversion rate but with that lower cost to reach people the cost per conversion might be good so I usually run at least to all news feed plus your right hand column um, then I do consider Instagram and but with short campaigns low budgets where I'm not nitpicking this thing I tend to just use auto placement um, now that said, optimization can impact this as well. So if you read my blog post today about uh, evergreen campaigns, um, I talked about this a little bit. This is a prime example of it where I was using reach objective and reach optimization where you can frequency cap. And when you do that, you're basically telling Facebook, I only want to reach people no more than once a day or whatever it is. In that case, I find the placement really important. I don't want to waste an oppression on certain placements. That's a whole nother can of beans there. All right, so that takes us to the fourth fundamental. I just want to make sure I'm reading through a couple of questions. I'll get to all your questions at the end, by the way, so I, and I'm not ignoring you. I just want to make sure there's nothing like people couldn't hear me all of a sudden or something like that. All right, let's go to the, the budget now. 
So, um, the budget, you're probably familiar with this. Um, you set either daily, lifetime budget, you can set a schedule. So what are budgets? This determines how much money you spend. And options are daily and lifetime budgets. Um, just know that there's no guarantee that you're going to spend your budget. So if you say, I want to spend $20 a day, um, you, you're not guaranteed to actually be able to spend that much. There are some caveats you might actually go over sometimes, but Facebook will have an average that they'll spend on a daily basis. Currently, control at the ad set level. I'm going to get to a caveat to that as well, that that's going to change in the future. Boom, boom, boom. So why do budgets matter? Uh, the budget provides volume and sample size. So and what I mean by that is spending a dollar a day, it's going to be pretty hard to get volume and to get a sample size that means something. Um, I also suggest that budget and audience size align. I keep forgetting to edit that. <laughs> I've had that in there for four or five months, that align spelled wrong. Um, so what I mean by that is that if you've got a, an audience size of 500 people, you shouldn't be trying to spend $500 a day. Um, if you've got an audience size of a couple million people, you have a lot of flexibility. I'm not saying you, saying you should spend more, but you have the flexibility to spend more because you have more a broader group of people you can reach. Um, so, because typically what happens if, if you try to use a high budget for a low audience, it's usually going to result in increased costs um, and also ad fatigue and increasing frequency, things like that. Low budget and volume can also co uh, complicate your optimization. Um, because, so for example, I'll give this as an example. If you've got a $500 product you're trying to sell, you're only spending $10 a day, unless you have some insane cost per conversion, uh, you're probably not going to get the volume for Facebook to properly optimize. Like, they really need to get 25 to 50 conversions over a week to be able to properly optimize and, and know what to look for. But if it takes a week just to get a single conversion, the results don't mean anything. So you got daily lifetime budget options. Um, I often get asked, you know, what I use and why. Um, we'll get to that. But daily provides more control over day-to-day -day spend, I find. Because um, I don't look at my campaigns as if I want to spend I want to spend uh, $500 on this campaign over a lifetime. I don't look at it that way. I look at it more as this is how much I want to spend on a daily basis. I can turn it up. I can turn it down. I can turn it off. Um, now, if you have managed ads for clients, they may have a, a predetermined amount that you should spend on a certain campaign. So that, that's where lifetime may come into play. So lifetime can set a hard limit on promotion. What you do can impact the additional scheduling options as well. Um. You know, I look, and I actually I'll get to that in a minute. Never mind. Uh, so first of all, you got day parting. Um, this this is where you can determine having having Facebook just show your ads at certain days or certain times a day. As you can see, anything in blue is when Facebook's showing this ad. Um, as I said, yeah, certain days, certain times. It use this with caution. So don't use it because you're like, well. My audience is only online from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
So I'm only going to show it during those times. I would bet you if you do that, your cost, your cost will go up. The reason for that is guess what? That's prime time. So it's just like trying to get advertising um, during prime time on, on TV. You have to spend more. So you're going to have lots more competition if you try to do that. Um, but yet, base it off of clear evidence only, meaning you've seen that you just don't get the action you're looking for, don't get engagement or whatever during certain times or your best. Look, here's the problem with all this. This is all in theory. I investigated this thoroughly and tried to make it work for myself. Um, I took six months worth of data and I found the best times of day that led to the the um, most efficient cost per conversion. Okay. And then I focused just, it was like those top 10 times only. And it did not decrease my cost per conversion. The cost actually went up a little bit. So take that for what you will. Um, but yeah, don't use the assumption, oh, my audience isn't online then. Because if they're not online, Facebook won't have anyone to show it to and you're not going to spend. So big deal. Um, the reality is the high traffic times will be the most competition, the most co- the highest cost. If you actually reach somebody at 2 a.m., assuming they're sober, <laughs> um, that might actually be the best time to reach them because you have no competition. It's going to be the cheapest, to, cheapest time to reach them. But also they might have less distraction in their news feed, not only paid but organic. You might actually have more success during those times. So keep that in mind. So what do I do? I think you've already figured out I don't use day parting. But I typically do use the daily budgeting. Um, how much I budget depends on the audience size first. So um, what I mean by that is that if it, for the smaller audiences, I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars a day. Um, doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to spend hundreds of dollars a day on the lookalikes and things like that either. But um, I, that's the first thing, though. Um, oh, Effectiveness and results also drive my budget. So if something's working really well, I might increase the budget. Um, I, I just feel like the daily budgeting provides more flexibility to be able to raise and lower it. Um, now, that's all this. And I, like I said, I don't use day parting. I haven't found it effective. Um, when it comes to the lifetime, I can tell you that um, Facebook reps tend to recommend lifetime. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, and also, I've, I do know some people who have found success with it, and they swear by it. So use what works for you. All right, the fifth fundamental, optimization. All right, so you may be familiar with this. Um, you're going to see this uh, you know, at the ad set level. We're going to determine, once again, remember that we choose an objective, and based on the objective at the campaign level, Facebook's going to help us um, optimize, and they're only going to give us certain optimization options. So what is optimization? It's really, you know, Facebook's biggest strength is their volume of data. And so they've got years and years and years of clicks and likes and engagement and conversions. So Facebook then is a lot able to show ads to people who are most likely to act, and they, they're pretty smart about it. So the ultimate goal here is to get the most desired actions at the lowest cost. Um, And as a result of optimization, this is often misunderstood, Facebook is not going to show your ad 
to all users within an audience. So if you've got an audience of um, 50,000 people and you're like, man, I keep raising my budget and everything, I, whatever I do, I can't reach more than 20,000 people. Why is that? It's because you're optimizing for an action. So Facebook's not going to show it to a segment of that group because they don't think that you're going to get the action you're looking for. So they're eliminating those who are least likely to act. So why does optimization matter? It eliminates waste by reaching only those people who are likely to act. Uh, if you think you can outsmart Facebook, good luck with this. Because if you're like, oh, i got this greatest targeting in the world. It's going to work really, really well. I'm going to use reach and just have Facebook reach everybody there. Um, you may be surprised, even if you have a really warm audience, that uh, oftentimes optimization works better. Um, it decreases the potential audience size. Know that. So that impacts your budget too. So if you've got an audience of 100,000 people, expect to reach somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 20,000 of those people. If, really, if you try to push Facebook beyond that, you might be overdoing it. Uh, Facebook needs enough data to properly optimize. So if you're struggling to get good results, part of that may be um, because you're not uh, reaching enough people, not spending enough. You also have that learning phase that you're probably familiar with uh, that Facebook needs to kind of get through and, and learn about um, who's converting to get optimal results. The options you have within optimization are determined first by your campaign objective, as we discussed at the, at the very beginning. So let's break this into several groups again. We've got the awareness optimization, so things like ad recall lift. That means that as, as a result of people seeing your ad, um, they can now recall seeing it. Reach, meaning uh, we're going to reach as many people within this audience as we can. It uh, doesn't matter whether they're likely to act. Impressions, we're just going to show the ad as many times as possible. So whereas reach is all about unique numbers of people, impressions is all about just indiscriminately <laughs> showing it as many times as possible. It could be a whole bunch of times the same people. And daily unique reach. So this is kind of an older one, um, but it's an option that, again, is show, it's going to show it to as many people as possible, but no more than once per day. So one example of this would be the, using reach optimization. Uh, I use this for certain, certain cases. So when you optimize for reach, you can set a frequency cap and say, I don't reach people no more than once every seven days, or it could be once every day, or twice a day, or whatever you want to do. So that's, there's some benefits to that because it's kind of cool to give you con some control, the frequency cap. So with light actions, that's things like landing page views, link clicks, post engagement, page likes, event responses, two-second video views, 10-second video views, and through play. So through play is watching a 15-second video all the way through. Uh, so I would consider all of these to be light actions where they're not actually, they're, they're engaging with you, but uh, not much more. So one of my favorites is landing page views. So for this to work, you need to have the Facebook pixel on your website. So Facebook is optimizing in this case to people showing to show your ad to people who are not only likely to click the link, but load the landing page, let it load to completion. Because the difference between that and link clicks, link clicks they might click on links, but they may quickly abandon. They may uh, have poor uh, internet speed, so your your website doesn't load anyway. So it's all about quality. 
And we got the execution group with an optimization, things like app installs, app retention, app events, leads, so that's using uh, Facebook lead ad forms, message replies, so people send you messages, uh, direct messages, conversions, and store visit. So an example would be conversions, um, where you can set a conversion window, uh, typically seven-day click, one-day view. Uh, so if you're not familiar with conversion windows, um, you've got options of one-day click, seven-days click, one-day clicker view, seven-day clicker view. Basically what that means is optimizing to show it to people who are most likely to convert within seven days of clicking or, or viewing or one day of clicking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You choose which one of those you want. So what is a typical customer journey? I mean, you have to ask yourself when, when, when selecting your conversion window. You know, for example, if it's buying a high-priced product, they're typically not going to buy within a day. So that using that wider window of seven-day click or view might be the way to go. Um, but if it's just like for a free thing, like an opt-in, it's probably the one-day click or view. How much time does conversion take after viewing your ad typically? I mean, like I said, rule of thumb, free registration, one-day clicker view, purchase, seven-day clicker view. So what do I do? Um, for traffic objective, I use the landing page views optimization almost all the time. For conversion objective, I optimize for conversions. For video view objective, I optimize for 10-second views. And with some caveats, uh, if it's a new product, I might optimize for link clicks or landing page view because Facebook doesn't have the volume to properly optimize yet. If I've got a small, hot audience, I might optimize for reach. And once again, an example of that would be with my evergreen campaign where I'm reaching a very small group of people who performed this trigger action, and I want to try to show it to as many people within that audience as possible. Okay. So, and actually, I, I, I just added these slides uh, for this month, and I probably should have put them um, with the budget, budget, but neither here nor there. Uh, same, same concept here. Campaign budget optimization. Um, just know that if you're not familiar with this, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, this is going to become the default in September. So, what does that mean? Um, so with campaign budgets optimization, you set your budget not at the ad set level, but the campaign level only, okay? So Facebook, so let's say you have three ad sets and you set a $100 daily budget. Facebook will then distribute that budget uh, to those ad sets depending on how the ad sets are performing. So it's a lot like how they distribute budget to ads, where you don't set a budget per ad, you set it within the ad set. Um, just keep in mind, though, even though you're not going to be able to set the budget at the ad set level anymore, when you use campaign budget optimization, you do have options of ad set minimums and maximums. Okay, so keep that in mind. All right, So we won't spend any more time talking about that, um, but just be aware that's coming in September. All right, so that takes us to bidding, the sixth fundamental. So you're not familiar with what bidding is. Um, after you've choos chosen your optimization, you can choose a bid strategy. And a lot of times, advertisers ignore this. And, and it's not a, a, a mistake necessarily that they ignore it. Because uh, a lot of times, it's probably best that you do ignore it as, as opposed to trying to outsmart Facebook's algorithms and, 
and really messing it up. Uh, but basically, you can start uh, forcing Facebook to bid in a certain way if you choose. So what is bidding? Uh, Facebook ads, keep in mind, this is based on auction format. We often forget that. Uh, we're competing against other advertisers uh, to have our ads shown to the same group of people. Um, as a result, there, you know, there's limited inventory, and there could be caps as well on, on the number of ads that can be seen by people or the number of times they can see your ads. Um, so as a result, you bid. You may not even know that you're bidding because Facebook auto, usually use the auto bid to reach those best users. So yeah, by default, Facebook's using the automatic or lowest cost bidding. So in that case, you would reach the most, have get the most desired actions for the lowest cost. That's what Facebook says, that they're going to do everything they can. Um, but why does bidding matter? It can have a huge impact on your costs, on the volume of your results, on the ability to spend, and also ability to get distribution. So um, bidding determines you know, which people you can reach, which people you can't reach, and how much you're able to spend to reach them in the first place. So you can set a big cap. Um, and again, by default, you don't do this. But if you want to get cute and think, you know, uh, Facebook's spending too much, so I'm going to tell them stop spending. You can't spend more than this uh, to reach people. So you can help. You can use this to help try to control costs. So if you believe Facebook's overspending, you can set a, a big cap. Just keep in mind, though, when you do that, oftentimes your most valuable audience is going to be those people who are most expensive to reach. I mean, there's a reason why it costs more to reach certain people, right? So um, if you try to get cute and say, hey, we're going to set a big cap at five cents, well, you may reach people. They're going to be low quality, and you might have, a, as a result, have a really hard time reaching your budget. But, yeah, you also be, there's a reason why if you set a really low big cap, um, certain people – you're able to still reach certain people because they're lower quality users. There's no competition for them. Um, so they, they cost less for a reason, typically. Not always, but typically. Um, so you get the target cost option as well, where if you're looking to scale eventually, like you want to spend, you think that after a certain amount of time that you want to spend more and increase your budget, Facebook recommends using target cost um, that it'll scale better. So in this case, you're telling Facebook how much an action is worth to you, how much you want to spend for a certain action. So Facebook says this will result in more stable costs for you as you increase budget, as opposed to what often happens. So you get really good results spending $10 a day, you increase it to 100 and it just blows up and it's no longer useful. Uh, a deflated target cost may result in the inability to spend once again. I mean, I think a lot of times people think, oh, I'm just going to tell Facebook my target cost is a penny, and I'm going to get one penny sales. And it doesn't really work that way. So what do I do? I almost always just roll with the defaults of lowest cost. I mean, I, look, I could get cute and pull all these levers and, and constantly try to manipulate things, but um, it's not an exact science, and it just ends up being a, oftentimes more, worth, more work than it's worth. Um, that I, I find I still get better results using Facebook's lowest cost. I do sometimes experiment, though, with big cap. 
And uh, if I do have plans to scale, sometimes I'll use that target cost option too. All right, so that takes us to the final fundamental, ad creative. So this is just basically the whole ad creation process, right? When you get to the ad. Um, so what is ad creative? It's, you know, fundamentally, it's the image video ad format. I mean, that by definition, I think that's what ad creative is. I'm not an ad creative specialist, but... Uh, but for this webinar, we're going to include the copy within this discussion, too. Um, it's basically what attracts the user's attention and provides the call to action, the CTA. So ad formats are things like the image. If you want to use a carousel, that's, so that'd be like multiple images. A link. Video. Slideshow. So that's really a, a video that's just like uh, rotating images that moves automatically. Collection, uh, it's a relatively newer format where it features a video or an image at the top and then products that come in from your product feed at the bottom of the ad format, which is it's pretty cool. And then instant experience, which used to be called Canvas, which is this more interactive format, keeps people on Facebook, um, allows you to throw in a bunch of different things in one. You, know, you could have an image and video and text and links and call to action buttons and a whole bunch of stuff within the same ad. It allows you to basically tell a story is what instant experience is. So why does ad creative matter? Um, you know, we know the psychology of what image you use, it does impact actions. So asking questions like, should I use faces? And if I do, whose faces? Should it be an old person, a young person, a woman, a man? You know, what? Should you use bright colors? If so, which ones? I mean, what have you found that works best? And what size and dimensions should you use? And Facebook is constantly changing this, and they've got me stumped right now regarding the link image size because in some places you see it should be square now, and other places it, they crop the heck out of it and it looks ugly, and I don't even know what to use right now. But <laughs> that's kind of an example. Size and dimensions, uh, that's something you may be aware of too. And should you use a video or should you use an image or a link or something else completely? So why does that copy matter? You got psychology of words as well and how that impacts um, in, uh, actions. So oftentimes you get people to say, oh, use short copy, long copy doesn't work. Well, let's not get crazy. This is a question you need to ask yourself on a case-by-case -case basis. Should you use long copy? Should you use short copy? Should you use a CTA button, a call to action button? If so, which one? Um, what voice or style should you use? So should you use emojis? Should you um, use button, uh, uh, bullets? Should you uh, have a more professional or casual tone? So what do I do with copy? Um, I don't create copy with a specific length in mind at all okay so i don't happen there thinking oh man i read this study that said um you have to have less than 100 characters so uh, i just went over that i can't use no it's basically whatever whatever it, it takes to get the message across i also know that in some cases short copy makes sense or other cases i, I need to, more time to and space to explain something oh and back to that topic um the uh, whenever you see a study that says a certain average um, length of copy is best, be really skeptical of that. 
because it's, it's it, it normalizes every post, every audience, um, every industry to find what the ideal, and that doesn't. It's I just find those crazy. Um, I do try to get to the point early though, so as opposed to having to you know click the view more and to get the point way at the bottom. Um, after that, long copy is fine. Um, I do try to break up copy into short paragraphs though to make it easy to read, including um, bullets as well for easy skimming. And then with Ad Creative, what do I do? Um, the format, first of all, so meaning link, video, image, it has a purpose. So essentially like what I want people to do, I ask myself that. If I want them to, to visit my website, either to read a blog post or purchase something, I use a link. If I want to get leads, a lot of times I use a lead ad form these days. If I want them to watch something, I use a video. If I just want to get some sort of message across, which isn't very often, uh, might just be an image. Just avoid multiple goals like we talked about at the beginning. Uh, try to accomplish one single thing to make it a success uh, with your campaign. Um, so you can't, I wouldn't do things like, I want, I want people to watch this video and click and buy. I mean, that's kind of an example. Like you might have video that works for conversions, but your primary goal in that case probably should be just to get them to watch that video in the first place. All right, so keep in mind that this webinar, I mean, we've covered a lot. Uh, it's just scratching the surface, though. I mean, a lot of things we didn't cover today. We didn't talk about the Facebook Pixel. That's going to be my training in April, by the way. It's going to be the Facebook Pixel. Split testing. Uh, we talked a little bit about campaign budget optimization, but we didn't go into details. Automated rules, ad reports, audience insights, Facebook attribution, business manager. It's just, just, just a whole lot out there we can't talk about. But I hope you got a lot out of what we talked about so far. I um, want you to know before we go, before we get to your questions, um, there is training on Thursday. Um, then if you found this useful, if you found this teaching style useful, if you feel like I know what I'm talking about, um, and if you read today's blog post and you found that really interesting, you may be a fit for the training on Thursday. So some problems that a lot of advertisers face is, you know, they'll see the campaigns work for a while, then they hit a wall. They got campaigns that grow stale. You can see the frequencies and negative feedback increase. The costs go up. And they have this need to constantly update creative and their targeting. And solution is a strategy that I've been using really since 2015. It's called Evergreen Campaigns. It's what I call Evergreen Campaigns. It's, so I show ads to an individual for a very limited amount of time. I keep the campaign running for lots of time. Um, I'm not changing the audience so the audience itself is refreshing. So this allows me to keep that audience fresh without changing anything. And so I, I show ads in a series, like in a sequence uh, from start to finish. It could be a single ad or it could be up to 10, 12 ads. Um, that, so like one for a few days and another for another few days. So this really limits the amount of maintenance as well. And I found I get better, more consistent results. So this training is a Evergreen Campaigns Masterclass. Keep a camp or create a campaign that keeps on kicking. And for more info on that, you can go to johnlimber.com slash evergreen dash campaigns. Again, that happens on Thursday. It's a single 90-minute webinar, but you'll 
We'll have full Q&A there. It'll be a more intimate group. Get all your questions answered. I have some guides and resources for you, too, to help you create these. So Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, same time as today, um, 8 p.m. in London, 7 a.m., I believe, the next day in Sydney. Um, so we're going to focus on what these are, why they're necessary, the problems they solve, how to plan your own campaign, the trigger of these campaigns, why they're necessary, and just give me a step-by-step guide and get it started, set up from start to finish for yourself. How to choose what your trigger is, how to plan and assemble it, how to use targeting exclusions to make this really fly. And uh, you can either create a really basic evergreen campaign or a complex one with multiple branches, which is something I like to do. And really various ways you can optimize this too um, with some benefits and drawbacks of each each approach. So basically there are two different ways you can sign up for this, either buy the course, uh, one-time payment of $97, or you can join my exclusive PHC Elite Facebook, uh, community and uh, you get access to all of my trainings by signing for PHC Elite. That's $147. But uh, either way, you can go to johnlimmer.com slash evergreen-campaigns. See, I don't like to spend a lot of time on a sales pitch in a webinar, so hopefully you understand, though. All right. Let me get to your questions. Um, Lisa said... I'd like to know more about how you choose your budget. I find it so difficult to plan the optimal budget, understanding if I would spend this $1 more if I get more conversions. Um, so the first thing I do is, like I said, with large audiences, you have lots of flexibility to spend whatever you want, right? So we'll start with large audiences. Um, in that case, it's all about volume. Do you get enough actions to allow Facebook to complete the learning phase and properly optimize, right? So if you can't, you should spend a little bit more, whatever that is, whatever you're comfortable with, right? Um, so it depends, right? So the act, what action we're talking about, it could be driving traffic to your website or getting an email list, getting an email address or getting a sale, getting a sale of a $5 product or getting a sale of a $5,000 product. The, how much it costs to get that volume is going to depend on what you're doing and what it costs, what the competition is and everything else. So you have to kind of answer that yourself. But when it comes to small audiences, I have this rule of thumb. First of all, look at your CPM. So what does it cost per 1,000 impressions to reach these people? So if you've got an audience of, let's say, 100,000 people, and I'm just going to throw out a number and say your typical CPM is $10. So that means $10 to reach to get 1,000 impressions or approximately, reach approximately 1,000 people. Knowing that you're, you're ideally only going to reach 10 to 20% of those people, um, I would be looking at then a max with a $10 CPM of $100 to $200 per day. Max. Okay? So that's kind of my rule of thumb. It all is based around the CPM, though. Lisa asked, and I think she asked this way at the beginning, and we answered it, but does the campaign objective ch uh, change the way Facebook distributes my ads? Yeah, because it changes how you can optimize. It changes what, what your goal is, and Facebook wants to help you reach your goal. So, yes, it does. You're welcome, Janelle. Um, Lisa asked, how big does a source audience need to be to create lookalikes? 100 people. 
believe is the latest on that one. Uh, Bree asked, we'd be emailing a copy of the deck from this webinar. So it's going to be embedded. Uh, the, the slides will be embedded within the replay page uh, that's on the link that I'll send you. Eric asked, you'll be able to access this webinar in the future. Yep, I will email you the replay here today. Georgina, or Georgiana, sorry, Georgiana, I think. I have run specific ads for two days, but for some reason all budget is used in one day. Why does this happen? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not clear what's happening there. First of all, you may be using lifetime budget, and Facebook just found that there was it was working really well, and I'm guessing maybe you had a really low budget. Uh, if you want to tell Facebook to spend a specific amount per day, use daily budgeting instead of lifetime. Uh, Eduardo said, you mentioned that we need to be spending a certain amount so that Facebook can actually get conversions. If we're spending enough, uh, they will not get conversions. I'm not sure what you're saying there. So I've heard some instructors say, you can start with spending $5 a day. Is this bad advice? No, it's not bad advice. Um, you can spend $5 a day. But if you're spending $5 a day, what are you spending $5 a day on? Right? Because it's all, again, it's about volume. It's about what it costs to get a certain type of action. If you are trying to, to sell a $100 product, spending $5 a day probably won't be all that effective because Facebook's not going to get the volume to properly optimize. If you're just trying to get people to watch your video or to engage with your post to get some awareness, to drive traffic to your website, maybe even get an email address, spending $5 a day could be worthwhile because you'd be able to get volume for these actions that cost less to get. So that, I will tell you this. When I was laid off for the second time, I was pinching pennies and very, very conscious about every dollar and penny I spent. I act, And my entire family and home rested on what I was doing and we were going into debt. I was spending a dollar a day. Sounds crazy? That's what I was doing. Um, Jill asks, is there any time you'd recommend boosting a post versus creating an ad? I just want to be very clear because a lot of people don't understand this. All you are doing when you boost a post is clicking the easy button to create a campaign that has one ad set and one ad within it. You can do the exact same thing by by creating a, a campaign manually uh, within the ads manager. Um, so the question is, are there things, does boosting accomplish everything that you want to do? Does, because understand you have a ton of options when you create an ad or campaign and ads manager. You can choose from a full slate of um, objectives, optimization options. You can split test. You can create multiple ad sets multiple ads you can use bidding options so all this stuff is available um and, and boosting is only promoting something that exists whereas using ads manager you can create ads from scratch create different ads different copy creative options things like that so it's really a question to ask yourself does boosting allow me to do all the things that i want to do when creating my campaign um, I would say that there, 
the only time personally I would use the boost is because I'm on the road, um, don't have access to my laptop, and uh, it's just if I want to promote an existing post real quickly, but I almost never do that. Uh, I think I answered that question, audience size and budget. It, again, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with CPM and the volume you're looking for. Is it better just let Facebook optimize or do its thing or set caps to prevent it from spending too much? Um, I would allow Facebook to budget to optimize first, right? Allow Facebook to prove themselves. And it's like, if, if it doesn't work, then try and not, like, if you're not getting the results you want, experiment by trying it yourself. I think a lot of times though, you're going to find that Facebook optimizes pretty darn well. Uh, Vladimir asks, we're talking about big caps. What does it mean charged by impression? What's the relationship between cap and CPM? So uh, when you're charged for impression, you're charged every time the ad is shown, uh, every time the ad, ad is displayed to a user. So when you set a big cap, um, you're, you're basically saying, I don't want to pay more than a lot of times, let's say $5 per 1,000 impressions. Um, I think that's what you're getting at there. It kind of depends on, uh, you know, what, which uh, optimization we're looking at. Uh, Sarah asks, are you, have you seen a big difference between using an image or video in lead forms? Uh, no, I'm actually doing both right now. Um, and uh, they're similar. I think I still get better results from the image versus the video. It's kind of for that reason I talked about before in that if you want someone to watch a video, I mean, they'll watch a video, but a lot of times they're not going to perform an action. But um, I, again, I, I like using videos when I can because it allows me to better control frequency because I can then create an audience of people who watch the video even three seconds and exclude them from seeing it again. So it, it, there's a purpose to using video sometimes even if the results aren't fantastic. Uh, so Simona asks, is there any specific or main characteristic you think is important to consider when selling or offering an experience, tour, activity, service, rather than a product? Uh, for which concern, of course, I'm not sure what that means. So um, when it's more of an experience as opposed to a product, um, I think this is all about, I think video would be very valuable. Um because you're try trying to best convey the value of this experience. Well, what's the best way to do that? I think video would do it. I think uh, maybe using the, the instant experience could help as well, to, to allow you to tell a story. Um, I think a lot of times your, um, their measure of success may not be a sale, but rather let's, let's create an audience of people who may be interested in this to remarket to them. So show them this video, show them this instant experience, create an audience off of that. Try to get at least their, their email address then um, to, to discuss it further. Um, if it's a local thing, you know, targeting people locally without worrying about optimization. And that's a few things I'd look at. 
Eric, a good question. Will evergreen campaigns work with product-driven e-commerce sites? Um, depending on how you what how you would run it, um, I consider evergreen campaigns something that could work for any industry. So essentially, the components to make it effective is you've got a trigger. So that trigger being they've provided an email address, they've um, maybe bought something that's a low, really low cost item that could be an upgrade. They could provide an upgrade too. Um, there are some cases it can get tricky. Like they've watched a certain video or, or viewed a certain web page of your website. Um, so that's your trigger. As long as you can generate a trigger like that, then it's a matter of just having a website custom audience or some kind of custom audience that has a duration. It could be as simple as if I know somebody visited X page, let's show them this ad for the next five days. That's it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the simplest, simplest example of what an evergreen campaign is. You can make it way more complex than that, obviously. But um, that's the way I would look at it. Um, Rochelle said, my audio cut out. Can you please repeat what you do for driving people to your webinar under execution? It's around slide three to four. Um, I don't think I really talked much about how I uh, drive people to my webinar um, other than I use lead ad forms. So I typically use that exclusively these days. Um, use Facebook lead ad forms instead of driving people to a landing page on my website. They both work. They really do. And lead ad forms, sometimes you have an issue with quality, um, but they're cheaper. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Um, Jenna asked, do you find that landing page views are largely different than number of link clicks? So largely, um, I wouldn't say largely. Keep in mind that link clicks include clicks on any links. So it doesn't even mean it's an outbound link. It could be an internal link. That they're clicking on things that, like your your profile page image, or your, yeah, image or name or something like that. Those are links too. So when you just look at link clicks, it, you're going to get a lot of misleading numbers. But also you've got the people who click on links that don't even load the page. So landing page views should, first of all, definitely be less. Um, I would, instead of compare, comparing link clicks to landing page views, I would compare outbound link clicks to landing page views. That'll give you a better idea of, um, of, of, of the true you know, variation. Like if you've got a big, pro if you've got a lot of big disparity between those two, that tells me very, very low quality clicks are happening where they immediately abandon. Tess asked if I'll share the presentation. Yeah, it's going to be in your notes. Uh, Colin asked about GDPR. I mean, um, I'm not a lawyer. This is just one of those things that you need to continue to be to make sure that um, you're compliant. Uh, Facebook has has been trying to get people compliant as well in terms of uh, creating custom audiences and things of that nature. But really, you're, 
it's outside of Facebook ads, most of GDPR stuff. It's really more about how you run your website and your email list. Yeah, Sarah, I mean, what do you consider a short and low budget campaign? How long and how much do you spend? Honestly, it's it's this is all in the eye of the beholder, right? Um because I, 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 I think I just had a really hard time defining that because what what, what is short and um, uh, low budget for me isn't short and low budget for everyone and it doesn't really matter to be honest so I, I hope that makes sense what minimum size do you recommend for lookalike audience sources um, honestly it's less about uh, first of all it's, you have to have at least 100 and probably in the country that you're creating a lookalike audience. But it's more about quality than quantity in that case, right? Because you could have 100,000 contacts if they're all completely random and they don't have distinct similarities between them because you've just like bought a list or something. That doesn't make it make it a, mean that you're going to be able to create a good lookalike audience from it. But if you've got 200 people who have very distinct similarities that Facebook can create a look like audience from that may be effective. What I've found over and over again is the effectiveness of lookalike audiences often not what you expect in terms of which ones should be most should work best, whether it's a look like audience based off of your purchases or your highest paying purchase uh, customers and, and things like that. So yeah, I hope that helps. Megan's <laughs> Megan says my voice sounds like Jim from The Office. And if you say so, I think that's a compliment. I don't know. Um, Lisa asks, "You're going to restructure your campaigns and ad sets with this with the spent budget change uh, to control ad sets getting more controlled distribution of impressions." I think you're referring to the campaign budget optimization stuff. Um, everything does change in September, though. If that's what you're talking about. And we have to revisit how we because the, they're gonna Facebook's gonna convert everything that's even that that was set up without com, uh, campaign budget optimization and convert it over to it. So yeah, that's, that's something we're gonna have to think about coming in September. Uh, recommend minimum audience size for interest targeting. Um, I want to be careful about this. I mean, first of all, I mean, I would recommend something in the hundreds of thousands. That's it. It really depends on the audience. It just does. Um, that's why I, I say that some industries have a built-in advantage because they have high-quality interests that easily isolate their ideal audience, whereas others are much more random. It's very difficult, and so it's less about the interest size. That said, I think Facebook will say this too. Typically, you know, the larger audiences, it's easier to optimize. Uh, Victoria asked how I determine the target size of my audience. Uh, I mean, I could just tell you that I don't sit around saying I need my audience size to be this certain size. I instead look at who is it that I want to target. How big is that audience? Okay, so as a result of that, I'm going to spend X because of that size. So I've got hot, warm, and cold audiences. Obviously, the hot audiences are going to be the smaller, smallest ones. 
I'm going to spend the least amount on them because, because of the audience size. You're welcoming. Yeah, Sarah says with the lead ads, she's getting better results in the image versus video too. Welcome, Simona. Um, Chloe said, when you spoke about placements, you mentioned instant articles. Could you explain more what that is? Yeah, so that's something that Facebook created over the last couple of years um, for publishers where you could basically send Facebook a feed of your content on your website and Facebook could generate an instant article that would load immediately when someone clicks on it. So when they click on it, it would actually keep them in Facebook. So when you see, when you click on a link in Facebook from your phone and it loads immediately and it has the same format you've seen over and over and over from others, that's an instant article. Um, the, the publisher has less control over you know, like ad placements, something like that. I mean, they have a little bit of that. But just in general, they have less control over the overall format of the page. Um, but you can place ads in it and things like that too. Um, so anyway, there. that said, there will be ad, ads in it oftentimes in an instant article um, that weren't actually placed by the publisher, if that makes any sense. Because normally, like, if you go to my website, if you ever see an ad, which you don't, but if you see an ad on my website, um, it's because I put it there. But with an instant article, if I want to monetize my instant articles, that could just be a placement that Facebook feeds ads into it. You're welcome, Rochelle. Ah! Deanna said the same thing about Jim. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Amal. Okay, I think that's it. Um, if I missed anything or if you got another question that comes to you, feel free to, to message us. Um, you can reply to the email that I'll send out or email at info at Um, of course, Facebook page as well. I'd love to see you at the training. If you think that's something to be valuable for you, or if you have any questions about it, give me a shout. Otherwise I'll get, to get all this info out to you within the next few hours. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. Hope you found it useful. Until next time, do awesome things. I'm out.